Hello and welcome back. Today's episode is brought to you by Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is a browser extension that lets you raise money for charity just by doing whatever you normally do online. And that's your business. But Tab for a Cause's business involves showing you a pretty picture and a small ad whenever you open a new tab. And then part of the money from that ad goes towards a charity of your choice. You can join our team and help support a charity of your choice and also help support us by signing up at tabforacause.org slash T-O-A-F-N. That's tabforacause.org slash T-O-A-F-N. As always, I want to take a moment to acknowledge our patrons on Patreon for making this show possible. In particular this week, shoutouts to Melody G, Jesse H, and Vilna T. I also had one show-related announcement before we get into the episode. Um, before we started making this chapter, we said goodbye to Juliet Prather, who's played Gwen and Relotite for several years, but had to leave us for scheduling reasons. We are sad to see her go, of course, but we wish her the best. And the silver lining is that now I get the pleasure of introducing you to Anna O'Daniel, who joined the cast to take over those roles, as well as some new characters you're yet to meet. Anna is a wonderful performer, and I know you're going to love their work as much as I have. Okay, with that said, on to the episode. Today's is the penultimate episode of Chapter 8, and then we'll be back for the finale of Chapter 8 on September 25th. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you then. Once and Future Nerd, Book 2, Myth Made Flesh, Chapter 8, A Change of Scenery, Part 3 by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. You ever see that flick? Yeah, I've seen the freaking Matrix, Billy. My dad wrote a chapter in a textbook about it. Well, Keanu's basically a god in that, and he turns out okay. He gets shot to death. Yeah, but then he comes back all powerful and shit. Right before he gets blinded by robots. Hun, it's very sweet that you're trying to help, but maybe we can just let Nelson sit with his feelings for a bit. Yeah? But Nelson's feelings were interrupted once more by a fork in the subterranean path. Hey, y'all. We're going left on account of a dragon. What? Yeah, paths to the right's a little shorter, but we've heard tell there's a dragon that way. Might be bullshit, but why chance it just to save an hour? Come on. All right, that's it. I give up. It is not permitted, this giving up. It must be almost a full day by now. I can't think of anything that has three wings, five legs, seven hearts, nine brains, no voice, and swims. Well, then keep trying. I will not! You'll have to watch me die of thirst! What if I gave you a hint? I didn't know hints were an option. I would love a hint. Yes, of course. It's, ah, it, it has eleven toes. This riddle has no answer, does it? No. I made up the clues on the spot 
you know, if I weren't speaking to so wise and venerable a being, I'd suspect you were stalling for time. Maguire's terrible and enormous interlocutor stared him down for a good, long while. So I am. Why? Because I have enjoyed speaking with you, and I do not want you to leave. You could overpower me as I could overpower an ant. Why the pretense of riddles? Because riddles resemble conversation. And it would be immoral to overpower you. You... We'll come back to that. Why not just venture out above? There are many who would relish and be honoured by the chance to speak with you. Maybe even other living dragons, for all I know. Because I do not want to. You don't want to? There's unlikely to be anyone interesting up there anyway. You found me interesting? I assure you I am not that especially clever. And look, not even you wish to speak with me. You'll want to step to the side. What? Step a few yards away, quickly. Maguire did so, and not a moment before something shiny and heavy came streaking down from the cavernous dark above and crashed into where he'd been standing. What the blazes? Upon some inspection, Maguire saw that he had dodged a suit of gilded plate steel, now badly dented but complete, apart from one missing gauntlet. When it hit, it had spewn a small cloud of fine dust, the origins of which Maguire could guess, but was not willing to get close enough to know for certain. Such trinkets are always falling down here. Adventurous souls who get lost, or fall down a well, or some such. In days gone by, I was grateful to be alerted of a meal. But now, you know. I, the oath. Now, to that point, I actually rather have enjoyed speaking with you. It's just, to your point, the ones I'm travelling with do not have the boon nor curse of magical long life, and I would very much like to keep my word to them by getting them what they seek. Oh, alas, you are right. I have again betrayed my morals and disappointed my ancestors and myself. I shall grant you and your comrades safe passage. That is only fair. Thank you, O oh venerable one. The weapon you seek, this enchanted shield. Do you know what it looks like? Thick oak with a large ring of iron in its center. Leaves painted on it in wood and gold. I have seen it. I will tell you where it is. You! I thank you. I will tell stories of your graciousness to whoever will listen. But Maguire, having been granted what he claimed to want by a terrible force of nature, which owed him nothing, did not hasten to act on his unbelievable luck. Instead, he stood where he was, looking perhaps more nervous than he had since this entire ordeal began. There 
is something else you seek. There is. We agreed on the terms, and the terms have been met. One less patient than me may accuse you of having bargained in bad faith. Never, O oh venerable one. Brother, I know that what I must ask next may indeed be too much. I would, I must dare ask for myself, but I would not take the risk on behalf of my companions. You have my sacred word that I will not hold what you ask against your companions, but I must hear you ask it now. A dragon's plumage, are the rumours true? At this, Maguire's gargantuan interlocutor fled their nostrils. You indeed ask too much. If I would not be your weapon in spirit, then I would no more be your weapon in body. To ask it of me is insult against the sanctity of my body, my spirit, and my word. You misunderstand me. I would not use it as a weapon. It is said that but one quill of your mane can unmake any injury. Is that true? Do you think I've not known your kind before? Of course you would use it as a weapon. It is all you know. All I want is my body back! Will you not use your body to fight in your war? Of course I will. It's all I have to fight with. But I am no more or less able to fight in my body than in this desecrated thing I now inhabit. Then explain your desire to have it back. Because it is mine! I went through quite a lot to get it. And I would go through quite a lot more to have it back. Maguire's bargaining opponent narrowed their tremendous eyes. You're not lying. But neither are you telling me the whole truth. I must insist that you do. I will. In exchange for your plumage. One quill per question. I must answer each question as thoroughly as you like, but they must indeed be one question each. Once I am satisfied that my body is returned to me, I shall leave. But I assure you, I have a great many injuries I wish to unmake. The slits of the Ancient One's irises opened each to the size of a pitch-black door through which a grown man could easily fit. They studied Maguire for a long, long time. Maguire, to his credit, trembled all the while, but never once flinched from this awesome and horrible gaze. I accept your proposal. Very good. Arden, General Traft, get your asses in here. It's safe. For now. What's going on? I've negotiated safe passage. Well, hot damn. You'll have to tell me how you manage that as soon as we're out of here. That's not all. The mighty keeper of this cavern is going to show you where to find McConnor's shield. Wait, he what? Take the shield and bring it west as we planned. Find someone worthy to wield it. What about you? I've negotiated my own deal. 
I'll be staying here a while. Now I must take you to a good ways west, where another deal was being discussed. First snow of three bridges. The speakers of the Federation have conferred about three bridges' plight and your request for aid. The fire inside the Federation house had been built very large this day. There was a damp chill in the air. If you'd asked Steady River, she'd have said first Snow's namesake was on its way. And between the fire and her nerves from waiting to hear what the other Federation members had decided, first Snow's winter furs were already damp with sweat. By unanimous consent, every village in the Federation will take your people in as their own should they choose to flee. First Snow hung her head. For while this decision was generous in and of itself, the notable omission of her most urgent request told her all she needed to know. Steady River squeezed her hand in consolation. Furthermore, the bridges is exempt from this year's request for additional corn. So, the call for warriors has been denied then? The villagers all know of your troubles, and that you are asking for warriors. Some will be permitted to volunteer. However, we must insist that no village should deplete its workforce by any more than one quarter. You know that won't be enough to repel the rangers. I'm sorry for snow. We expect a very hard winter. The able-bodied are needed. But if more warriors are sent, we can defend the town with fewer losses. Everyone can return home to the work as soon as the fighting is done. Respectfully, First Snow, that is not our assessment. So you think us incapable fighters, then? The village raised by Steady River and her husband? No one could doubt your courage. But many of the speakers here have run with war parties. Believe us when we say that courage is really enough. It's a matter of numbers, yes, but... Well, they give us... But it is also a matter of experience, of tactics, of a great many skills that you could never hope to acquire in a week's time, and perhaps shouldn't want to. Most in the Federation who had those skills joined Traff's campaign and have returned, maimed, or not at all. Not everyone. At this... Steady River squeezed First Snow's hand a little more sharply. But if the chief speaker heard this reply, she made the diplomatic decision not to acknowledge it. The Federation has nothing more to say on the matter, I'm afraid. But you are welcome to join us for our evening meal. Thank you, but no. I found bad news is best delivered as soon as possible. Will you take some bread and meat for the road? Yes, thank you. Very well. If you're not staying... I believe some of the other speakers have some things they wanted to say. Yes, that's right. Um, between the stones made more blankets than we think we'll need this year. We'll send them to Three Bridges. If you choose to leave, they'll keep you warm on your journey. If you choose to fight, perhaps you can trade them and hire a ranger or two for yourselves. I appreciate your generosity. North Bend has some lumber we can spare. We'll send a cart. South Hill has many boars that the Truft's warriors left behind. And believe me when I tell you the cost of fighting the Easterners is terrible. But if you insist on it anyway, the bows are yours. Thank you. All of you. Yes, truly. We understand what you're doing for us. And my village has extra salt if you need to preserve any food. We hope it's clear 
what we advise your village to do, but may the many matrons watch over you whatever you decide. I know you're disappointed. Disappointed? I failed everyone. We didn't get what we wanted. That doesn't mean you failed. Why do you turn everything into some kind of riddle? Where things don't mean what they mean, we came here for one thing. It was my responsibility to get it, and I didn't. Call that what you want, but I call it failure. Are you finished? No, I'm not finished. Oh, well, by all means, carry on. <sighs> okay, I'm finished. Your speech was better than any I could have given, truly. You balanced passion with reason in a way few could have managed under such pressure. But we cannot make others act as we wish. We do not govern like those brutes from over the mountains, where someone makes a decree and, and the rest are made to follow it with steel at their throats. We have the Federation. We build consensus. That is part of what we're fighting to defend. But it means we don't always get what we want. Now, when you've heard me gripe about the Federation, what is it I've said? They're too cautious. Yes. I fear without a big change, they'll save a plant but lose the crop. But knowing that about them, it is to your great credit that we're not leaving empty-handed. I suppose. Let me guess. You're afraid of looking foolish when we return home. Because you convinced them of your plan, and it didn't work out as you hoped. Well, yes, of course I am. Hmm. Some advice, then, if you want to be speaker. You'll have to get used to that. Do you think your plan was wrong? No. I still think it's the only smart thing to do. Good. It's right that you care what your neighbors think of you. But you also need to trust yourself enough that you're willing to earn their scorn sometimes. Yes, Auntie. Ah, uh, there's more that troubles you, though. I can't help but think if Wolfspear were here to fight. He's not. The other towns would send more warriors if he were fighting. You know they would. Listen to me, girl. That man is no more. I don't even know where Tree That Bends is half of the time. And he's supposedly still alive. And supposedly still my husband. I'm not saying this to take your hero away from you. I'm saying it so you can spend your energy on matters you might actually influence. Now, I'll hear no more about Wolfspear. Is that understood? I understand, Auntie. It's just that... First Snow, please. I only wish I understood. I've asked Uncle to explain, but he never does. It's a terrible thing your uncle had to do. He'll talk about it in his own time. I think he's embarrassed. First Snow. I think he still questions his decision. Enough! Forgive me. You don't deserve to be shouted down for speaking your mind. It seems that particular scar is even more raw than I realized. The truth is, of course he questions his decision. Just like me. Just like everyone else. But he certainly didn't make it lightly. To harp on it would only serve to cause him shame. And believe me, girl, shame will be the death of that man 
before anything else. I'm sorry, Auntie. I didn't mean to be rude. It's all right, dear. I'm sorry to have shouted. <laughs> At least I'll have scared off the coyotes. Do you want me to tell everyone the news when we get back? No, I should do it. It was my plan, and I do want to be a speaker. I really am proud of you, girl. You'll have my vote for sure. Daffodil? Do you want a carrot? Now, there is one more political arrangement that you must understand in order to make sense of what follows. We travel now to the White Forest, where the sun was low and the Great Council was nearing the end of its session. And being that today was the last day of the season before the autumnal holy days, there was a certain urgency felt towards concluding the day's business. So then, final statements on the proposed motion? I think there's general agreement. Let the record show there is not general agreement. I think there's sizable majority agreement. As much as we are sympathetic to the aims of the farming colonies out west, the proprietors knew the risks when they requested their charter. We simply cannot spare the resources at present to quell Urkid unrest. Especially with these troubling no reports of Memyet unrest closer to home. The Honorable Bart Louis is not wrong, but perhaps we might offer to send a few troops, provided Lord Timos and the rest would be willing to pay for them in additional duties and customs. Hmm. We'll never accept, but I suppose it would be decent to offer. We'll take the proposals individually. All in favor of the motion to send a company of knights over the mountain to aid the farming colonies? All opposed? By a vote of 25 to 6, the motion fails. All in favor of sending the additional correspondence as recommended by the Honorable Balovir. That motion passes unanimously. Thus closes docket item 136 of 137 for the season. Now, as docket item 137 requires the testimony of Lord Commander Relo who cannot be here at present, we will need a secondary motion to vote anyway in her absence. Would anyone care to... The entire council gawked and gape at the sudden arrival of Relo burned and bloodied and barely keeping upright. Lord Commander! I believe I was summoned. Uh, we were... Your outriders informed us you were gravely wounded in the fracas on the coast. They spoke true. Perhaps you should take some time to rest and recover before you attend to highly consequential matters of state, no? Whatever was urgent enough to summon me for is urgent enough to discuss here and now to my face. Lord Commander, please, take some time to collect and comport yourself, if for no other reason than at least to preserve gentleness in this ancient and sacred room. You are literally bleeding on the floor. Oh, you soft Lilton flower. It is not my dignity that is in peril. Yes, I am bleeding on the floor. Look upon it. It is the blood of my kind which waters this sacred tree while politicians and bureaucrats sit in their plush and gilded chairs and dare to judge. So go ahead. Tell me what you have brought me here to tell me. Only mind your dignity as you do it, sir. <clears throat> Lord.
Lord Commander, there is no one in this room, or indeed in all of the White Forest, who would question your bravery or the honor of your deeds. But one fears that you are, perhaps, too devoted to your duty. Of course. Now I see my error. I should have known that bureaucrats would not suffer devotion to duty. We mean to say that we have reason to question your use of martial power, and whether it is always used as best serves elf kind. Indeed. We spoke not a fortnight ago regarding the cullen that escaped your control. And now this business with the Memyet sporting affair. We've heard reports of a dozen Memyet dead and two score wounded. Not to mention nearly a dozen of your knights. It is simply beyond the pale. We wish to offer you one final chance to explain yourself before this council is forced to relieve you of your command. Realitit dabbed the sweat of agony from her brow and slowly scanned the council with bloodshot, narrow eyes. One day, a counselor found a termite all the way up in her bear chambers atop a great and venerable whitewood tree. So she trapped it under a jar and called to the horticulturalist and said, kill this termite. And he did. And then it happened again the next night. The third night, there were two termites. And then... Lord Commander, we were all taught this parable as children. The vermin kept returning until they were killed at the root. But since we trod familiar ground anyway, why don't you remind us how the horticulturalist eradicates the vermin? Surely it is not by taking hatchet or torch to the root of the tree. Indeed, is not the great skill of horticulture knowing which poisons to apply and when, so that vermin are killed but the tree survives. Our great civilization rests upon a delicate balance which must always be maintained if that civilization is to endure. Excessive war-making, even with the aim of preserving order, is like to spawn chaos as much as anything else. You do our ancestors a great dishonor to so disparage what they built. The order they envisaged is not so precarious as you would have it. The Urk yet grow bold, the Mem yet forget themselves, and not a few of our own sons and daughters contribute to this decay. Lord Commander, you will explain your insinuation at once, for well you know that our own dear son has been missing for nearly- Your son is a traitor! <gasps> How dare you, sir! How dare you! Not only did he aid and abet enemies of the Concordat in evading justice, he shot at and killed Knights of the Wood to do so. Have you any proof of this outrageous accusation? Or will you speak any infamy or blasphemy you must to retain your title? I have seen it with my own eyes. So have my troops. Your lie. Is it really that hard to believe? We have all heard the disdain their daughter has for her elders when she's deep in her cups. Why shouldn't her younger brother take her indecent rhetoric to its logical conclusion? I move we vote right now to strip her of her titles. That barely fits her misdeeds. She should be exiled. Come now, let us calm ourselves. I will not calm myself as my family is besmirched. I have a right to demand satisfaction for that. <laughs> oh, how I wish you would. It would be the honor of my life to shoot you in the front before you can stab anyone else in the back. Now, wait just a minute. No one is going to shoot anyone. 
There are devastating implications to the claims made here today, and yet both parties involved have been dependable servants of the realm for as long as I can remember. Would it not behoove us to investigate the matter calmly and soberly? You mean for us to calmly and soberly consider our children being accused of treason? Of course not, Winlow Dick. None could be asked to do so. That is why you are far from the only votes on this council. I'd like to propose that Botloil and Winlow Dick abstain from any votes on this matter as is only right and proper. However, I'd also like to propose that until the matter is resolved, Relotik should be sent away from the White Forest and an acting commander should assume control of the Tarlo Hill. What? Hear me out, commander. This is not a punishment, merely a precaution to maintain decorum during our investigation. There's no doubt in my mind you've brought forth your allegations out of concern for the realm, so I pray you permit us the time to conduct an investigation that meets the gravity of the charges. <laughs> gravity of the charges. Spare me. This is a den of cowardice, and it is a shame to your ancestors and your descendants. And so Relotit made preparations to depart the White Forest in a hurry, but she was met in the stables by an unexpected visitor. Lord Commander, your wounds do seem quite serious. I've brought you some medicine. Thank you. I was hoping we might have a word before you left. I've already wasted enough precious breath on politicians for one lifetime. Have I misjudged you then? Do you not imagine yourself Chancellor one day? I tend to recognize in others those traits of character which have been the most motivating to myself. Perhaps I did, once, when I was more naive. I think you are principled, not naive. You were right, of course, that we have gone too soft. But a righteous cause is unfortunately not enough to win in politics. We must play by the established rules until we are powerful enough to rewrite them. That is why I intend to unseat that pompous blowhard Botloil and take his place, and then I shall return us to the resolve which has earned us all we have. And how exactly do you intend to do that? For now, let us say that I have several irons in that fire, but you may have brought me an opportunity to drastically accelerate my plans. I take it you were not bluffing about young Yellowing? I was not. Then instruct the subordinates who can support your claim to remain behind during your period of exile. The council will summon them to testify. I will continue to play the part of impartial but principled observer, and all the while we shall build the case against young Yellowee. You could compel their testimony without my help. Why involve me? Because you are uniquely able to help me with another matter. You see, there's been some trouble out west with some of the charter farms. Some irk yet trouble. I wanted to send knights, but I was outvoted. Now, as it happens, I have some fairly substantial investments in those farms, but more importantly, it's obvious to me we'll need to civilize that region sooner or later. No sense tiptoeing around it now. And so as long as you're temporarily relieved of your duties... Perhaps I might take a trip out west. Precisely my thinking. I know you're capable of the decisive action that the situation requires. Do that for me, and you shall be my vice-chancellor. Do we have an understanding? 
and for the first time since the day of the horse race, a glint shone in Rilotit's eye. On my honour. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Glass and Christian T. Kelly Madeira, and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. The associate producer is Alec Story. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Harkins. Shannon Harris. Aaron Lanham. Paul Notice. Anna O'Daniel. April Ortiz. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Regina Renee Russell. Gregory M. Schultz. Editing by Tristan Stone. Foley, sound design and post-production mixing by Edward Bush. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr or Reddit. 